This podcast is brought to you by Knowledge at Wharton. So what does success mean to you? For many, it would incorporate fame, fortune, maybe power. But success can also be defined as achieving great personal fulfillment against the odds. Our next guest refers to people who do this as dark horses. He says they often take less traditional paths and that their success comes with great sacrifice. Todd Rose is director of the Mind, Brain, and Education program at Harvard University's Graduate School of Education, and he would also like to see the education system adapt to make personalized learning a key component and also lead more young people to reach success through their passion. He writes about this concept in his new book, Dark Horse, Achieving Success Through the Pursuit of Fulfillment. Todd, great to have you with us today. Thanks for having me. Thank you. And, you know, this idea of following fulfillment, I mean, it's an idea that's really been been burgeoning over the last few years that, that you can be successful and be fulfilled at the same time. That's exactly right. I think for um, for many years we've thought you sort of had to choose, right, or, or prioritize one and hope you get the other on the back end. And I, I think what we're seeing is a lot of people who are – Frankly, they want both, and they believe they should be able to have it, and we're trying to see people actually responding to that. How how significant is this now as a as a as a move that you see? I mean, you lay out a variety of different people examples of how this is going, but when you think about the the country as a whole or or the society as a whole, mm-hmm. is it more and more common to see this type of mindset amongst people? Yeah, that's a great question. So, um, in we actually had some some research right now that isn't public yet. So this will be <laughs> breaking, breaking news. news. Yeah, breaking yeah. news so on our show for it today. We asked this question at my think tank called Populous. Like, where is the public? Right? Is this just about a handful of dark horses who happen to figure out how to do this? And here's what we found: in the largest survey ever of Americans' views of success, there is a clear majority. Of Americans who have moved toward this view of success now. They, they don't want the old sort of zero-sum, it's wealth, status, power. They want meaning and purpose and fulfillment. Um, and I think that's a really important shift. We've never seen that before in surveys since we've been surveying it. Um, and I think it, it speaks to where we're going to be going as, as a country. We had talked on this show before about people who have maybe followed a corporate path for a long period of time and then want to make a shift later in their career to follow that passion or, or find that fulfillment. But how much of this is also occurring with younger individuals, with millennials or Gen Z that are actually doing this, maybe coming out of college? So that's right. So I think for for most of us, right, who bought into the sort of standardization path, right, where it's like you have to just do the thing you're doing, and then maybe later you realize it's not worth it. We got I got to make a shift. And we saw plenty of those in um, Dark Horse in the Dark Horse Project. But what's so interesting, as you're pointing out, is this younger generation is seeing this and saying, nope. You know, like it matters what matters to me, and I'm going to go ahead and and make that the sort of north star for my life. And it's funny for a while we called them sort of spoiled, or we called them whatever, but we're realizing actually they're onto something. Can you can you already start to gauge what kind of an impact that is having on a on a particular country's economy because of the yeah. fact that you know that they are not following that traditional path all the time? Yeah. So it's what's really interesting is that the the positive benefits come from a country that is actually moving away from standardization and has a more diverse 
creative knowledge economy, right? Where new ideas, where creativity, where innovation actually is harnessed, right? Is really valuable, right? If we were back in the days of like, you know, everyone's working on the factory line making cars, it's not that helpful, right? It's not, or not as helpful. Right. But what we're seeing here is we see this as, as people actually pursue fulfillment, what it shows up as is deep engagement in their work. And we already know from all the research that like highly engaged people are far more productive. So are there countries that are kind of promoting this, this idea now at this point? So what's interesting is I, I feel like this is still in the beginning stages, right? Because right. we have countries that are like, hey, it's about happiness. But what they mean by happiness is this kind of collective, like, there's five things everybody should want, and like, this is what you get, right? So it's not really personal. Um, and I think what, what I find most interesting about here in the States is that despite all our challenges, I think we have the necessary ingredients, right, to make this sort of the bedrock for who we are. I mentioned at the top that that there's also a, an element of this involving the education community and and what you would like to see and and maybe having education focus on this kind of personalized learning a little bit more. Yeah, like I mean, we have a system that was not designed for that, and you know it's done a good job at some things, but it is a it's a batch processing mass production system, right? And the the thing is, is that's not really conducive to fulfillment. Like if you think about any of our education experience, how often did anybody ever bother to help us understand what matters to us? Right? Like, right. It's, not, it's not really part of the equation there. But the good news is, is we're seeing dramatic shift toward personalization that will allow us to do this. Now, you have to do it right, but like it's possible. And I think that what's important is, is that we use that technology and know-how in the direction of equipping people to live more fulfilling lives. I think that's the key. The uh, author is Todd Rose. The book is Dark Horse, Achieving Success Through the Pursuit of Fulfillment. Todd, writing the book with O.G. Ogas, uh, and your comments are welcome at 844-WHARTON, 844-942-7866. Or if you'd like, send us a comment via Twitter, either at BizRadio, B-I-Z Radio 132, or you can use my Twitter account, which is at Dan Loney, L-O-N-E-Y 21. You know, in looking at the, at, at the, the backstory of this book and, and reading more about you, I've seen you referred to as a dark horse in a few occasions as well. Tell us your story about how you kind of maybe fit into this, uh, this realm. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, I, I, like, I certainly don't have a sort of traditional path, right? So I'm a Harvard professor now, but I also dropped out of high school with a 0.9 GPA. <laughs> I got married when I was 19 and I ended up working a string of uh, minimum wage jobs, relied on food stamps to support my wife and kids. Um, I was pretty lost, frankly. And I, I got lucky in the sense that my dad gave me this advice that changed everything. And he said, if I wanted something better, I had to figure out what truly motivated me and I had to stick closely to that. Yeah. Um, and that, that advice put me on a different path. I got a GED, I went to night school for college, and I eventually went to Harvard for my doctorate where I've spent the last decade getting to study what makes people tick. So uh, the, the idea of, of really researching this, wh where did the idea come from? Partly, I guess it's, it's from your experience, but uh, partly it's also, I would think, seeing other examples of this in the course of your, your time at Harvard. That's right. So I, it, it was kind of a passion project, and I, and I honestly didn't know what we would find, right? I just, I realized that there were all these people that I was running into that had very interesting backstories and were successful, and people couldn't really figure it out. They didn't go through the sort of straight and narrow. And I thought, like, is this just like, 
are we just lucky, right? Is it just a handful of people that just got lucky and don't really have anything to teach us? And I thought, well, let's just figure that out, right? And so we ended up um, doing my first qualitative research. We had hundreds of people from as many walks of life as we could get our hands on who were objectively successful but had these interesting backstories. And it just turned out that, like, not only – like, I thought it was going to be um, – hey, maybe they have a kind of a certain kind of personality, right? Like make a Steve Jobs or a Richard Branson, like where you just kind of like to buck the system. But that turned out not to be true at all. And, and this idea of pursuing fulfillment just emerges. And, and at first I was like, oh, I don't, I don't want that to be the answer because that seems like squishy right? Like and soft. And I, yeah. I wanted something. That I, but it, it just was crystal clear that like what puts them on these very – like idiosyncratic paths is that they're prioritizing personal fulfillment over someone else's view of success. So it gets them on that path, but we found it's also what allows them to be both happy and successful. So then what is it then as they start to go down this path uh, of trying to be fulfilled and finding that success, what are the key ingredients then for them to reach that, that ultimate level? Yeah. So in, in the book, we kind of laid out, you know, there's, there's this sort of dark horse mindset and the sort of four things that we thought really showed up consistently allowed them to make fulfillment actionable, right? Rather than like fall your bliss off a cliff, right? But um, the, 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 the one that is by far the most important, because if you don't have it, uh, it's, it's just not possible to get the fulfillment, is this idea of understanding what truly motivates you. And, and, and it seems so simple, right? Like, what do you mean? How, how do we not know what motivates us? But actually, I think most of us are pretty terrible at really understanding what drives us, right? And yeah. so what we found is that, like, in society, we tend to talk about these very, very big motives that we're all supposed to be influenced by, like competition, collaboration, money, whatever, right? But what we found is that, like, Dark Horses has, have this amazingly detailed understanding of what we call their micro-motives. These, these, some big, some small, but something just really specific to them, and they know that better than anybody. And it's, it's knowing those things that motivate you, that allow you to make choices right. that actually optimize fulfillment. And it's really only that person that can, can get that true understanding of, of who they are and what, they, what really drives them, correct? It's exactly right. Like, and it, it's it's so incredible. I mean, some some of the folks were motivated by things like you'd expect, and then you're just like, some things are so specific, like truly being motivated by by uh, manipulating physical objects with your hands. That to me, that doesn't seem like anything. I, I could care less, right? Right. right. But for we, we we talked to a man who that was literally the prime motive, and it's like. You, you have to figure that out, and we try to lay out some ways that people can do that. But, but it's like when you start to get a sense for the, the things that really do get you out of bed, right? Yeah. It, it's, it's, it's incredibly empowering because you realize you do have choices in your life, and it's not about needing the optimal choice every time. It's that you always have a choice, and they're never equal in terms of their potential for fulfillment. So then let me go back to the education side for a second because I'd be interested to know how then – Education can kind of work into this process, especially when it's a it's a personal understanding. It's a personal path. It's to a degree, you know, you are writing your path and and what what touch points you need to to be involved with to be able to try and find that success. Yeah, and I think look, I, I think that the trick is is that there's it won't be Lord of the Flies, right? It won't be like everybody for themselves. It, there are some things that like in education that we want everybody to, to know, right? We want right. good citizens. We want people to read. Like, I think those are not really optional. Um, but I think that there's some very subtle things that you tweak that, that actually make this possible. The first is like the commitment to helping kids know who they are, 
right? Yeah. Like, really, like, on their own terms. The, the second thing of, of three things I would do, the second is this focus on mastering things rather than just getting grades, right? Like, you get a fixed amount of time, you get a grade, we rank you against someone else, and you move on. That, 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 that's not really developing skill in people. That's, <laughs> that's just good for selection. True, yeah. So, we're, yeah. We're, by the way, but mastery learning is spreading all across the country, so that's already happening. Um, the third is just giving kids a little more control in their learning. And like I said, that doesn't mean a free-for-all, but it does mean having some say in, in whether it's the kind of project you're doing, whether it's the things that you care about or not. Like, it doesn't have to be a lot, but it does have to be more than we're doing now. So then what role do the parents play in this process? So I think um, there's sort of two things that I get asked a lot with parents, like, as a parent, like, what do I do, right? Like, how, yeah. how do I, what role do I play? And, and it depends on the age of the kid. So if, if you have a younger kid, I, I think the most important thing you can do, and it gets back to what I just said, is actually helping your kid discover what matters to them and what motivates them. Mm-hmm. And, and that really just starts with asking them. And it sounds simple, but how often do we actually ask our kids what matters to them and why? Right? Yeah. We spend yeah. a lot of time telling them what they should care about um, and not letting them discover it for themselves. And so I don't mean questions like, how was school or how was soccer? I mean, like, what do you enjoy about those things and why, yeah. right? And they need to develop that, and you, we can help them. So I think for young kids, I think that is by far the most important role that parents can play. Is it part of also a challenge, me being a, a dad of three kids, that there are times where parents feel like they need to have a certain level of control, and instead of asking the question, they just go ahead on, on, a, on a predicted path? Yeah. And I look, I think as, as a parent of two, <laughs> like I, I need a little control as well, right? Sure. Like, um, and I'm the same yeah. way. Yeah. And, and look, we have obligations, right? We're supposed to raise our kids. And so this does not mean, but there's something different about um, the orientation we're giving our kids, right? That, that, that who you are and what matters to you actually matters, right? right? It doesn't mean you get your way all the time or even most of the times. But it does mean that, like, just like, look, think how, how often as parents we, we spend time teaching our kids character and morals, even before they're even old enough to act on it, right? We just know it's important that they have that mindset, right? Honesty, integrity, these kind of things. So I think if you add to the mix this idea that it's important to know who you are, it's important to know what matters to you, um, and add that to the mix, I think we're in good shape. You have a variety of different people, as I mentioned, that you talk about in the book, and I wanted to to bring the stories of a couple of them up. One being a gentleman by the name of Thomas Price, uh, and and just a little bit of the backstory is is that I guess he was orphaned uh, at around age 14, and he went through the course of his life and and now has become a a master sommelier, an expert in wine. And what's so remarkable about, about Thomas is, you know, Sometimes when you think about like pursuing fulfillment, you could think of do you get a little worried? Is this just selfish? Right? Is this just I'm just going to care about me and I'm not going to care about else? Here's someone who basically was really never had a caring adult in his life, right. really, right. like, and has to just get by, um, works his way through working, working in restaurants and working his way up. And then enters this like upper echelon of the, like master smiles are like it's it's harder to do that than it is to go to space <laughs> like yeah. there's just so few of them it's so hard and yet he makes this incredible accomplishment and then and then what does he do he immediately is looking for ways to give back he's looking for ways to help other people pursue their personal fulfillment is we see this over and over again is like when you're on a path of fulfillment it is not selfish it's so expansive you want other people to feel the way you do. 
You also uh, mentioned a, a woman by the name of Jenny McCormick, uh, mm-hmm. who also was a, a high school dropout. But I, and I think this is an incredible story. Uh, didn't go to college and ended up being an astronomer. Yeah. So not only that, she she's discovered a planet and and discovered an asteroid. She has been published in the top scientific journals in the world. Um, and she still didn't even have a high school diploma. And what mm. is so remarkable, she, she, was, she was stuck, um, single mom, no high school diploma, working in a fast food chicken restaurant. And she happens to go visit some, some relatives in the sort of um, rural areas of New Zealand where she, she lived, where you can actually see the sky. And, and, and someone gave her some powerful binoculars and said, hey, take a look at the Milky Way here. And she just she was captivated, and she just couldn't she just she didn't realize this expansive universe existed, and so she does these amazing things of trying to figure out how do I get enough knowledge yeah. so I can contribute, and to kind of sum up, she actually convinces enough people to give her spare parts and builds <laughs> builds her own little observatory yeah. in her, her home, and, and she's made the amazing contributions. I, I, I asked you a little bit ago of whether you could start to see the impact of this type of mindset and, and this type of path on portions of the economy. And, and I'll even take it a step farther and, and try and look forward. I mean, if, if we really made more investment in this type of, of mindset and this type of, of learning, what impact could we be looking at in the future? So my, my prediction would be this, that... I would feel very safe in saying, number one, you're going to get um, far more innovation in areas where we just need it, right? I mean, somewhere we've got to have a cure for cancer. It's got to be in some little kid's head somewhere. We, we need these people to get there and care about what they're doing. Right. I think that you see people with a deep sense of responsibility for their work. Because it's something that shows up when you're pursuing fulfillment. There, you don't take shortcuts. You do not. It, you, you wouldn't, right? It, 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 it's so meaningful to you. Um, but the other thing is... I think this is actually um, a practical necessity that we're not really talking about, which is in an age of automation and AI, like, it, I don't know. If you just show up to work and play through, and it's like, you know, the majority of Americans right now are disengaged in their jobs, like, are you kidding me? Those are jobs, those are going to be the first to go, mm-hmm. right? It'll be the people who understand who they are, they know how to make choices based on what brings them fulfillment because they show up as deeply engaged in their work. And when that job, say, goes away, they know how to make choices to get to the next one. And so I think this is not just a luxury. I think this is an absolute necessity. And because of the fact that, as you said before, there are certain elements of education that we really need to have, uh, you know, for everybody. Is there at times, I guess, a little bit of a, of a resistance by education to kind of investing more in this type of idea? Yeah, look, I, I think most of the resistance is kind of just like normal bureaucratic entrenchment, to be right. perfectly honest. Right? Right. Like, but, but I think that I will say to their credit, I think the way we're going to get somewhere to a new kind of education system that does what we need is actually when people who are deeply skeptical show up, though, as being willing to contribute. And they interact with folks like me who think this is absolutely where we need to go. And then I think together we can actually get somewhere that's, that's a happy medium where we can actually equip people to live fulfilling lives without sacrificing the sort of common good and things that we need to really tend to. Todd Rose is the author of the book Dark Horse, Achieving Success Through the Pursuit of Fulfillment, 844-900-3393. 844-900-3393. 
844-WHARTON, 844-942-7866. Or if you'd like, send us a comment via Twitter, either at BizRadio132 or my Twitter account, which is at DanLoney21. You know, it's interesting. Your story is obviously a, a, a very interesting one uh, and, and where you are right now. Are you truly fulfilled? I mean, are there elements of uh, that that are out there beyond your world of Harvard and beyond writing this book that that are still things that you look to attain? Oh, of course, yeah. No, I mean, look. Well, for me, it even starts like you know, Harvard is a wonderful place. I love my colleagues, um, but I realized um, pretty quickly that the things I care about have a practical element to them. Like I, I, I see the world of you know, personalization and, and this new rising understanding of individuality, which is my scientific training, as having a huge impact on society. And I wanted to be a part of that. Um, and so I ended up, you know, I'm not a tenure track professor. I, I get to play a role at Harvard <laughs> and went and opened a think tank where I can actually do, engage more practically um, with the public. Uh, and, you know, I never thought I'd be an author, but I thought, like, how do you get to people? How do you try to share this? Yeah in a timely way. So people like me, I, I grew up in rural America, like I would have been the last to find out about this kind of stuff. And I just, I feel like if we can be able to get to everyone, give them the knowledge, show them what's coming, allow them to have a say in where we go, I think we'll get somewhere great. And so for me, that's what's fulfilling. And so the ability to have different vehicles to accomplish that um, gives me, I think, a really well-rounded life. And I'm, I'm very happy, but I will say, like we could be talking six months from now, and if if there's something that opens up where I feel like this is a really meaningful path for me, yeah. I'm going to take it. How how prevalent is that part of the component here? Uh, of you follow one path, but it it may again it may kind of run its course, and you follow another path in terms of of this fulfillment. Well, that's a, that's exactly right. So I think one of the risks when you think about fulfillment is you think about like I'm going to follow my passion. Well, look, here's the thing. That, that can run its course. Either, say, for example, you find the perfect job, but the job goes away. Or right. maybe you just get so good at it, right, that part of the sort of personal development isn't there, and it, it, it goes away. This is where having this mindset is so important because it allows you to understand, like, how do I make my next bold move? Like, what do I do next so that I can continue to live a life of fulfillment? Yeah. And I think that, like, as we accelerate this world where – you know, people change jobs so often, you know, sometimes just out of necessity. Um, you're going to have to be able to make those kind of decisions over and over again. Um, and I, I think we, we already see from the evidence of people being miserable at their jobs that we're probably not particularly good at it right now. But it, it also probably now thinking about it, it has to be an important component to think about, even if you're in a company in an HR department, because of the concerns that a lot of companies have of employees leaving and then the cost associated for them of having to replace that employee. If you have exactly. people that are more engaged and, and following that passion, that makes for a better company as well. It does. And like, um, you know, I've actually studied a whole bunch of companies, um, actually for my previous book, which is called End of Average, where I was looking at companies that had done some of this stuff and like places like Costco, right, that, that are able to have, provide like gold-plated health insurance, highest wages in retail, and yet they're actually more efficient than Walmart, Right. Like it's, yeah. it's, it's because they, they, they take fulfillment and individuality very seriously and they build conditions for people to, to have careers there and people don't leave. Right. They show up productive and engaged and, and they stay. And so I think that when you look at how we hire, I think the thing that's going to shift in terms of picking employees, that are going to be productive and stick around is it's not enough to look at skill matches. Right? I want to understand why, like the why. Like how, do you understand what's motivating you? And can you tell me why 
this job, this company is actually going to be a good fit. And, and I think looking at yep. their past history, anyway, I think that's going to be a really important part of how we hire people in the future. Todd, great job. This is a fantastic book. Thank you, sir. Thank you so much. Thank you. Todd Rose. Uh, the book is Dark Horse, Achieving Success Through the Pursuit of Fulfillment. Uh, author of this book, along with O.G. Ogas, uh, joining us on the show. For more insight from Knowledge at Wharton, please visit knowledge.wharton.upenn.edu. Thank you.